that here is this woman who we we're very close in age and very close. And she had overcome a lot of the same things from our childhood that, that I hadn't overcome. You know, great, great marriage, you know, really s- safe in who she was and this whole deal. And now she's starting a journey that's going to lead to her certain death. And at the same time, I'm starting a journey that's going to lead me to finally start living. And so I was like, man, you can't mess that up, right? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Mental Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Lobos. Today, I have maybe one of the most entertaining slash deep conversations slash impactful conversations that I've ever had. You just heard that intro. It was like three minutes long because I felt like my guest, Dave Richmond, I, I felt like he he was so succinct in that three minutes that I just made the whole thing the, the intro. So thank you for listening to that entire thing. Look, Dave's an impressive guy. He's got a four-page bio, and I, I don't even know where to start with it. So I want to make this intro quick because this episode is long, and it's really impactful. And in all honesty, I didn't expect half the stuff that we talked about to come up. You know, I'm going to give you a little bit about Dave's bio, and then I'm going to give you a bunch of the stuff that we're going to learn, and then we're getting right into it. So he's an entrepreneur, an author, a public speaker, an athlete, a philanthropist. He uses the lessons learned in his life to enrich and inspire others. And as a former sedentary, overweight smoker, Dave knew that he needed to focus not on what others wanted out of him, but what he wanted out of life. And so the first thing that we start to talk about is his relationship with his mom and why he was the overweight, sedentary smoker. Well, he was busting his ass in corporate life, trying to be somebody, trying to get someone to notice him and, 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 and just approve of him and be something for somebody. And then what happened was, you know, he was in a terrible relationship and it was toxic. And, and then he finally looked in the mirror, right? He finally looked in the mirror and started understanding the person staring back. And that's where we start this journey. And it goes into trauma and mastering self-talk and, and becoming an iron man and setting his, his sights really high. And like being the guy in the mirror that cares about the guy in the mirror and not other people's opinion. And we talk about, um, you know, like quitting, no one actually cares, but you'll know and goals that you set for you and not anybody else on the outside. And, and we talk about everything being a learning exercise and, and how to know when to give up and sending your goals based on what's at stake, not based on what other people are going to think about you. I mean, we go all over the place. I mean, the guy rode 5,000 miles across the country and then up the East coast like California to Florida and then up the East coast. I mean, I, I was so impressed by the trajectory of his life and the mastery of himself and his own development. It's so special. So look, I'm not going to talk anymore. His book is called cycle of life, by the way, go buy it. All the proceeds go to charity. And I was just so impressed with his journey and and overcoming so much and then giving back and helping under uh, helping people understand their traumas and how to dig in and emotionally like dive deep to speak about what's bothering them about, you know, their family member or their child who has a terminal illness. Like, Oh my God, the the guy was just solidly impressive. You are really going to, you're going to enjoy this episode. You're going to learn so much. Don't be in your car at the gym. I mean, if you are, that's fine. Just, I want you to take notes. If you, if you, if you really want to get something out of it, take notes. There's so much that Dave drops. So look, thank you for being here. We always appreciate your, your, your support 
And if you haven't yet, join the Mental Purpose community on Facebook. It's free. Download our free ebook and, and mini course called The Purpose Driven Formula. And anything you want now lives at menonpurpose.net. Menonpurpose.net or my website, ianlobos.com. They both go to the same place. Or mentalpurposepodcast.com. They all go to the same place. All right. You ready? Here we go. All right, Dave. Welcome to the podcast. We're going to jump in. Feet first into the deep end, man. Let's do it, Ian. I need to get a swim in anyway, so let's do it. <laughs> so you are, so, audience, we're like deep end. So, Dave, you are overweight, out of shape, full-time smoker, with a, uh, uh, in a relationship with an abusive alcoholic, with twin four-year-old girls, and I want to know how you got there. And I also want to know how you got out, and so does the audience. I'm very curious, how did your life get to that point? Because I know there's some people listening that are in potentially a similar situation and they're going, nobody understands me. No one gets my situation. Well, I'm pretty sure that you do. So how do you get that? Yeah. Well, I do, but only because like your low point's your low point. It's not somebody else's low point. Of course. Right. So here I am running, I'm running a hundred million dollar business for a, for a major Wall Street firm. Right. I got a nice house and, you know, I got some good friends and I'm having fun, but and I got boats and whatever, but I'm a, I'm a wreck. Like, I, like I'm a wreck. That's my, that's, that's a really low point for me because I'm completely stressed out. Like you said, I'm overweight by like 60 pounds. I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm eating a pack to a pack and a half a day of cigarettes. I'm as stressed out as could ever be. How am I going to get out of this relationship? How am I going to get my kids taken care of? Like, like, I, I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm at the end of my rope. And how old were you? I was 38 years old. That's crazy, man. That's young. Yeah. Yeah. That's young. 30, 38. And now look, how did I get there is your question. And how I mm. got there was that um, I had a rough childhood. Who doesn't? I had a rough young adulthood. Who doesn't? And I just had to figure out a way to solve my problems and make my way through life. And so I was like this overachieving kind of like focused on the world. And I got into the bad habit of, of, of measuring my success based on how other people perceive me, women, bosses, whatever, employees, whatever. And so I, I, I used to say that I learned a ton of really, really hard lessons and they were valuable, amazing lessons. I just never knew how to apply them to myself. And so when I woke up one day and I went, well, it was a friend who told me like, dude, like everything in your life, this is what he said to me. And he said, everything in your life is like a rabid dog and you go to pet it because you think, oh, you're so special. You could pet the rabid dog and it won't bite you. And then it'll bite you. And you're like, what the F? Right. He goes, why don't you start looking in the mirror and solve your own problems and stop trying to solve everybody else's? And I'm like, whoa, that's some heavy stuff. And I got the leverage I needed to get to kind of get out of that uh, situation at home. And that put me in front of a mirror. And I just went like, who the hell are you? And I, and I was that, I was that guy. And I yeah. said, that's not who you want to be, man. You got to figure something out. You, you got to make a change. So, so for, for, for me, how I got there was a bunch of bad decisions, a guy who just looked for problems so I could solve them and be a hero a guy who looked for bad relationships so I could make up for the fact that my mom hated her kid, right? So I, 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 all the wrong things that you don't know until after you do, do them that you've done it, 
And then there I am at this low point going, man, like, like, who are you and what do you want to be? Because if this is it, man, just pack it up and go home. Dude, you Does know that make sense? Interesting. Yeah, hell yeah. I, I loved all of that. In fact, I'm going to make that whole three-minute clip the intro because ah. that, that, was, <laughs> that was the most succinct train wreck that I've ever heard of. And everybody's got a train wreck, right? Everybody's got the train wreck of their lives. And if you, if you haven't had the train wreck, if you don't have those extreme low points, you're probably not pushing hard enough. And, or your trauma wasn't the same and you're seeking love in codependent relationships or, you know, and maybe you got one aspect. You were just beating yourself in every aspect, the relationship, the job, the body, the self, you, you were hitting everything. And it's, um, yeah, it's, and at 38 years old, my story was very similar at 33 years old. My daughter was one. Yeah, she just turned one. I, I wasn't beating myself up as much, yet I was in a place where I'm like, what, what, is, what is my life about, man? I'm 33 years old. I, I'm in this business that I don't love. I'm in a, in a marriage that, that isn't working, and I'm not sure how to make it work because I don't know how to make me work. I don't know how to put a smile on my face in the morning. So how the hell am I supposed to put a smile on these two ladies faces, my wife and my daughter. Mm -hmm. And I was just heading downhill fast, mm -hmm. real fast. And everybody's journey is their journey. And so I want to, I want to dig into that because you, you, you mentioned you had a mom that didn't love her kid mm -hmm. and that, that sparks curiosity in my, in my mind. So you okay with digging into that for a second? We're yeah, talking about sure. It? So, okay. so, so again, like I, I, sometimes I'm embarrassed to say, oh, this was rough because I know people have it rougher, right? And other people might look at me and go, how the hell did yeah. you ever deal with that? That's the roughest yeah. thing I ever heard. So I, I don't know, right? It's so I'm just relative. telling you my story, you know? So, so when I was born, my mom was 21 and my dad was 59. So we're talking a 38 year difference. And back when I was born, 59 was freaking old. And, um, you know, when, when they were married 56 and 18, she was pretty young and she, she wow. had come from a pretty bad situation at home. And I think she was just too young to, to want kids. I don't even think she really even liked kids. Um, I came to find out she didn't, yeah. uh, my dad was too old to really know what to do to deal with kids. You know, I'm 10, he's 70. Like what's a back then, what's a 70 year old going to do with a 10 year old kid. And my sister was, was 12. So, um, so yeah, so that ca caused a lot of problems. And I had a mom who, you know, one day you would do one thing and she would go like, Oh my God, you're such a prince. I love you to death. It's the greatest thing ever. And the next day you would do the exact same thing. And she would start wailing on you going, what the F were you thinking? That's the stupidest yeah. thing you could ever do. You're just a moron. <laughs> and I'm like, huh? So I just didn't know like, what, what do I got to do to make somebody else happy? Because I don't know what the hell I did to make her so mad. So I think that, that that was a, uh, a learning a process for me. And, and I just, I didn't, I was always trying to search for what's going to make other people happy. Cause I had no idea. It couldn't just be me. I had to do something special because just being me oftentimes was exactly the wrong thing. And so I, that's, I think, you know, that's how to unpack that situation. I, yeah. I think people, especially okay. men can, yeah. can probably relate to that because you know, you act a certain way because you think you're going to be perceived this way or you, sure. you know, it's like, yeah, I, I kind of get it, but, yeah. but I didn't know it until I knew it.
you know? Yeah, of course. I mean, you don't know what you don't know until you figure out that you didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's it until you know, you now don't, you know, you didn't know. Did yeah. you ever have a chance to, I, I, a lot of our clients, we speak about, uh, mom things, challenges, issues, whatever you want, because, um, I talk a lot about the, the movement through and the evolution of the relationship with my mom and, and, and did you ever have a chance to speak with your mom about this and get clarity or get any kind of resolution or peace? So when I was 18 and, um, my dad was, had lost, you know, most of his mental capacity and, um, my mom was not very nice at that time. And I left, I left the home hmm. and, uh, left in the cover of night, just, I wanted out. So I left and it was a year or so before I spoke to her. And when I did, it wasn't a very long or very friendly conversation. And then I talked to her maybe a couple of times over the years, but usually very short and very unpleasant conversations. Um, fast forward to about 15 years later, uh, my kids were born and I won't go into all the details on it, but um, she still was not in my life more than having had a handful of very, very short conversations. And I invited her to come into my life if we could deal with those issues. Sure. And she basically, you know, middle fingered me and said, no, wow. you know, screw wow. you. So I said, okay. So then about five years later, my sister had uh, been diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. And she was uh, literally, she, she was, you know, going to die. It's just a matter of when. And so I ran into my mom at the hospital and I said, hey, you know, should we give this one more try? And she basically said, F you. Wow. And I haven't heard from her since. That was uh, why. Do you know more why? than 15 years ago. She's um, so hurt, clearly. I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I. I, I really don't know because are you um, did you process through that and, and kind of just make peace with it or you, do you still wish that there could be something I, I have made some peace with it I haven't made full peace with it because like I, I do expressive writing workshops okay yeah. this morning I did an expressive writing workshop online and one of the prompts was who do you need to forgive hmm. even if it's you or somebody else and can you write a letter to that person yeah. And I, and I said, sometimes you can't forgive, right? Like I haven't learned how to forgive my mom, right? Who, who, what mom doesn't want to talk to her? Especially cause like, I'm a good guy. Like I, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything bad. I just, I'm, I'm a good guy. So why the heck does she not want a relationship with her son? I guess that's her problem. And so the way that I've processed it is to say, I have a wonderful relationship with my kids. I have a now I have a, a marriage that's phenomenal uh, with the right person. I, I have a lot of great female relationships and a lot of great male relationships, young, old, middle, and in between. And I kind of came to the conclusion, Ian, that, you know what? I'm a 10,000 piece puzzle. Okay. Yeah. And I spent, you know, 50 odd years putting the 10,000 pieces together and I still have more to put, put in, but I just realized that uh, I just realized that the manufacturer sent the box with a few missing pieces. <laughs> I, I, I'm just never going to, I'm never going to have those pieces. And so like what it. am I going to do? Toss the puzzle away? You know, I like sometimes you put that man, I like the way you put that. I, I, I'm a 10,000 piece puzzle and the manufacturer forgot to send a couple pieces. Like, 
that's the at peace part. That's the being at peace with, look, I, there's yeah. going to be some shit missing. Then I've got to just be okay with that. I can't write to the manufacturer for the rest of my life and request these pieces. They're never going to show up. You know, they're like, never going to show up. I'm never going to get an line. answer to that. <laughs> right. You right. know, so I, I might not be at peace with it, but I'll tell you what, when I look at the puzzle, like yeah. I see those few holes from the missing pieces, but it's not, it's not I see the puzzle, dude. I, I see the 10,000 pieces. I don't see yeah. the three missing pieces that much. I love that. I, I think that's a, I think it's one of the most fascinating and, and interesting explanations that I've ever heard about the, about, about a human's evolution and the, and a human's makeup for real. That's a really cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Hey, it took me a long time to, 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 to figure that out yeah. and to be able to say it and also to have, be somewhat at peace with it. Right. Because man, I could beat myself up for a few things I did my whole life. And man, it just, it doesn't feel good, but at some point you just got to let go. Right. Yeah. I mean, what, what advice would you have? I mean, obviously we don't have the, 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 you know, whatever you call it, like the end of the rainbow pot of gold with the mom story yet. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you could still give advice to people out there who are, who are, maybe they are in touch with their moms or maybe they are, um, maybe they have a relationship and they're just, they're, they're, they're like this yet. They, they want something deeper. What would you do if you had the opportunity now? Like, what would you advise somebody to do to break through and actually get that? Because look, you can't make her, you can't make her have that relationship yet. You can certainly try different things. What would you advise somebody to do? I, I could, but I feel like this, okay, this is a weird analogy. I just making it up as we go. So I've not said this before. So if it sounds stupid, everybody, I apologize. Uh, so broccoli is really good for me. And I've tried it three or four times and I just got to realize I don't like broccoli. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I've, totally. I've given it, I've given it the effort. Yeah. And I, I, I can't make myself like broccoli. I can't make myself continue to try because if what's the upside she's missed my whole life anyway she obviously didn't care i've got yeah. enough really great relationships and enough value in my life and sure. i mean maybe the dark relationship that or the dark places i've had because of no relationship with my mom maybe that's helped me in other ways i don't sure. know and i'm i'm sure there's gonna be at some point where i'm gonna go i wish i would have done this or i wish she would have done that but i'm not in control of any of that yeah. Because I've tried and, and, and I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just got to go. It's just, it's just a missing piece, man. I, I yeah. there's 10,000. such a big piece though. It is a big I piece, hear you. you know, I just, uh, I don't, I'm just curious uh, about that because I, I do, I do have a lot of uh, guys in our mental and purpose world that have that same challenge and their desire, they're younger guys and their desire is, is still there. And I'm always just curious as to what somebody, obviously there isn't that completed, the puzzle piece isn't there. So right. your advice is, is theoretical and I'm, and I'm totally cool with that. And I get the broccoli analogy too. It, that's just a very big piece of the puzzle, right? It's I, I hear piece. you. Look, dude, <laughs> if the pot of the gold at the end of the rainbow is for me to have a, a la la conversation and she goes, you know, even though I'm 80 and you know, I've missed your whole life, I love you. Right. Okay, if, if that's that going to solve my problems, no, then I'll go no, no, for no. it. But no, I don't think <sighs> it's it's terrible. I wish it was a different way. I wish uh -huh. I wish it was 
God, dude, my twins, it's a boy and a girl, not, not two girls, but they're 24 now. If I go yeah. a day or two without talking to them, I feel like, oh, it's the worst thing ever, right? I'm so right. close to my kids. Could yeah. you imagine going 20 years without seeing your no. daughter? No, no, I have a daughter and a son. I, 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 I had an amazing moment last night with my daughter that I want to, I want to share real quick where we, I had a, I had a, um, uh, a client who needed to move a, a, a time, a, an appointment two o'clock. And so I looked in my, in my weekly planner and I was like, the only thing that me that means something to me right now is taking my daughter to the pool. That's it. Like, I don't need to keep working cause it's two o'clock. I don't, I broke free from that bullshit rhetoric of you work during these hours. I don't, I have my own business, so I don't have to do that. We went right. to the pool and we took our GoPro and I taught her some new hand signals for scuba diving cause she wants to scuba with me. And, uh, and so we came back and we were watching the GoPro videos at night after, after my wife's friend taught her how to make sushi and she sat on my lap and she pulls out this little phone and she hits the video and she says, dad, I want to do a video for my channel. She thinks she has a YouTube channel. I want to do a video <laughs> for my channel. Um, about the, the things that we love about each other. And man, I fucking mm. lost it. I'm sit, she's sitting on my lap right here. How the sweet. phone's right here up on the computer. And I'm like, oh my God, how do I stay, how do I stay tight on this one? And, and I was just like so overjoyed by the, by the person that she is and the freedom to express herself from the relationship she has with me from who I am. And so, no, I can never imagine ever right. not having or not being the person uh, as a parent that my child needs me to be for the best evolution that they can ask for, right? It's not gonna be perfect ever. Just the best evolution that that they could get. And that, that yeah, that, I, I'm yeah. just very curious about that. Uh, I know, it's a, it's a, it's a conundrum. <laughs> I'm not gonna stay, talk. let's not stay on that topic. You got We could talk about it a stuff, lot. Right? I just, you know, sometimes I go, well, people go, this guy must be a real dick because who doesn't want to have a relationship with their mom? And I'm like, well, ah, geez, I mean, I, I would like to, but sure. you know, if I lost my finger in an industrial accident, am I going to walk around going, what the hell, man? I want my finger back. Well, eventually you got to accept the fact that your finger's cut off, dude. I mean, sure. what can you do about it? Sure. There, there's two schools of thought. I, I, I agree with the, at a certain point, you have to accept the fact that it's a two way street and the other side of the street is completely blocked. Can't get through. Got to go another route. Another route, yeah. and right. And then there's the other one of like, and it's your mom, the giver of life, the biggest puzzle piece that is your life. You know what I mean? Like the giver. Yeah. And so that's Jerry, the only. That's the thing that I process is. Yeah. Did you ever see that? Uh, uh, everybody probably has seen the movie. You ever see the mo a movie of uh, uh, Bruce Almighty? Yeah. Yeah. So remember when he's trying to like scream at Jennifer Aniston, why won't you love me? Yes. You know, right? he, yeah. like he can't make her, he, he can't make her love him. Yeah. Well, I think that same way. I, I, sure. I can't make you love me. So if you don't, you don't, I, I, uh, uh, it hurts. I hate it. I wish it was a sure. different way. I, sure. I, you know, I wish I could reconcile it. I, I wish I could forgive you for it. I wish all of that stuff, but it just, no. What's so interesting what is, I, is it's channeled, it's channeled so much of the work that you do for the world. I, I yeah. feel like that is a, it's a, it's a major catalyst toward it. And so you're, you're, you're turning lemons into lemonade anyway. So that's, that's really yeah. cool. And I want to, I want to, I want to just understand a little bit more about how you really got out of that, 
how did you get yourself in, in back in shape? How did you leave the marriage? How did you stop smoking? How did you get onto this path that you're on today? Well, it all happened all in a very short period of time, right? I got the leverage I needed to get out of the relationship and, and not be ruined with a, you know, I got 50, 50 custody of the kids with no lawyers and no money back and forth. And, you know, I, I got to drive everyone. And so, you know, I got everything that I needed to get. So I, I was good. Kids were good. And, um, honestly, and I, I, it sounds stupid, but I, I did, I stood in front of a mirror in the bathroom and I just like, like, who are you? I just said it over and over and over. And who I was, was a stressed out, bad decision-making, uh, overweight smoker. And I said, is that what you want to be? And I, and it isn't, it's not what I want it to be. So I just said, okay, you got it. You got to change. So I didn't know this at the time, but I've known it since, and maybe a little in little bits, it didn't maybe hit me as a lightning bolt, but I know that I went through a process at that particular point where I kind of forgave myself. Hmm. So I was honest, here's who you are. Here's the guy in the mirror. And then I, I went through a process of forgiving myself. Like you, you, you didn't know then what you know now. So just, like, forgive yourself, just move on. And then I just, I just figured it out. I just wanted to learn. So for me, learning was, I did the math. If I, if I wanted to lose weight, I had to become active and eat less. And if I wanted to stop smoking, I had to do things that would not be normal to me, which in my case was starting to become athletic because I couldn't swim and smoke at the same time. Right. I could do almost anything and smoke. Right. But I couldn't run and smoke. I couldn't be on a bike and smoke. I couldn't swim and smoke. So I said, let's do all those things because I got to do everything different. Otherwise, I'm just going to adapt to being an overweight smoker and do other things. So right. I, I just said, okay, let's go for a run. I couldn't make it 0.2 miles. I couldn't make it without, <laughs> yeah. without falling over. And then I just said, all right, well, you can either try to run again for five minutes or smoke. And I didn't want to smoke. So I ran for five minutes and then I could run a mile and then three miles. And then I did a, a, a 5k, a 10k. And then literally in like nine months later, I did my first Ironman triathlon. Nine I, months later, nine months later. Yeah. I still was overweight. Um, hadn't smoked from the day I quit. I, I hadn't smoked. Um, and, uh, I hadn't done any of those distances on their own, but I just said, screw it, man. Just set your sights higher and higher and higher. And you might as well, because if you fail, at least you're, at least you're trying something kind of amazing. And, um, and I also had another motivator and that was in that same time period where I'm looking in the mirror, trying to figure out who I am. That's when my sister uh, had told me that she's got terminal brain cancer. And I was really touched by this idea that here was this woman who we were very close in age and very close. And she had overcome a lot of the same things from our childhood that, that I hadn't overcome. Yeah. You know, great, great marriage, you know, really safe and who she was and this whole deal. And now she's starting a journey that's going to lead to her certain death. And at the same time, I'm starting a journey that's going to lead me to finally start living. Wow. And so I was like, man, you can't mess that up. Right. And I had that dichotomy kind of like giving me perspective, you know, uh, forcing me to stay on track as it were, you know? And so 
that that all of that combined, you know, let me let me do it. And and then I I you know, and this I'm sorry if this sounds cliche-ish, but it really is the truth is that I started to l- like look forward to and appreciate uh, the fact that what the guy in the mirror thought of me was way more important than what anybody else thought of me. Hmm. And if I'm being a good guy and I'm doing the right things and I'm working hard and being a good parent, good boss, a good friend or whatever, then I can look at the guy in the mirror and go, well, what do you think? Cause I'd never done that. Right. I was always looking for external yeah. sources to tell me, Hey, you're a good guy or you're doing the right thing or here's what you need to do to get happy or whatever. No. So I, I started to, I started to do that. And when I did that, that, um, that was a real, a real changing point for me when I gave myself the ability. Can I tell you a super quick question, Ian? Please. Or tell, tell you a super quick story. So I'm getting ready in July. So I quit smoking in end of January because it was my kid's birthday. I made a promise to him. In July, I go to do a half Ironman. Okay. I'm fat. I'm, 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 not, I'm not an athlete. Yeah. And, and I get, and I get up to the start line and it's one of these wave starts. So it's not a group start, right? It's a wave start. I get to watch people go. And I'm like, what the F? Every single dude was chiseled out of marble. They're Greek right. gods. They're wearing their little Speedos. They got no fat on them. Every chick is like hot and tone and like athletic. And they're all like got their gear. And I'm sitting there going, oh my God, you're such a loser. What the hell are you doing here? These people are Iron Men and they're athletes. And what the, oh, you don't belong in this group. And da, 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 da. And I'm getting ready to just pack it up and go home because I don't belong there, right? And compared to them, of course I don't. Of course. And then the gun goes off and the first wave goes. And like one, one of these Greek God dudes, he flops on his back and he starts backwards doggy paddling. And another guy <laughs> starts, you know, swimming to the side of the river because he can't, he doesn't know how to swim. Yeah, and yeah. I start laughing at myself, but I go, oh, geez, dude, like, why don't you worry about yourself and not everybody else? Because they're clearly not worried about anybody else. And so it was a really freeing moment for me to go, Hey, you know what? Why don't you just worry about you for a change and not anybody else? Like nobody's looking, nobody cares. Just do it for you. And it's kind of cool to know that nobody's looking and nobody cares. Like it's like, I always thought everybody cared. Like, Oh, I'm so important that everybody cares, right? Everybody's watching me. Like I got to do X, Y, Z so I can get their approval. Hell, I don't even know you like, stop it. (laughs) You know, what's interesting is, when did that ever become a thing? Like, when did you, and I'm thinking about that for me too. In my twenties, all I cared about was what people thought about me. And and I never, ever got the memo that, that actually, that anybody actually gave a shit. I never got this memo that was like, Hey, by the way, everybody's fucking watching you better be careful. Better drive the right car. No one ever sent me that memo. I just somehow downloaded that. It was so important what others thought. And the reason why my relationships were shit, even, even before like, before my marriage was because I was so, I was so concerned with what other people thought that I didn't know who I, I was. Know. And you know, I wrote a, yes, yeah. I wrote a yeah. book called winning in the middle of the pack. Yeah. That is this yeah. idea of when Mindset. you're in the middle of the pack, nobody's watching, nobody cares. Nobody's yes. looking to see if you finish, right? You're yeah. doing it for your own reasons. And yeah, I wish somebody would have given me that memo earlier too, because it's strangely, <laughs> there's another side of that that's strangely way more important than what you just said and that is because we gotta admit 
maybe we don't know it, but eventually we're going to admit that nobody cares. Nobody's watching, right? You know what else? They're not holding us to nearly as high of a standard as we would hold ourselves to. And so if it was really important for some douchebag you barely knew to say, achieve this goal, you (laughs) might do it because you're like, oh, I need their approval. But if you wanted to achieve that goal, you do it. Like you, right? Higher goal, way more motivated to do it, but you just never cared about what you thought. You cared more about what they thought. And honestly, they don't even care. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. The moment my life opened up was the moment that I could stand in the mirror and look at myself and say two things. One, I love you, truthfully love you to myself. And two, you actually fucking matter to this world without anything except for you. No cars, houses, business, money, status, nothing. Watches, nothing. You matter to the world. And when I finally was able to do that, my whole life opened up. It was kind of crazy. And and I like I have this book, Mirror Work. For those of you watching on YouTube, Louise Hay, ah. book, Mirror Work. It always sits next to me because it's such a simple concept, yet it's so powerful. And you know what's really interesting about triathlons is I used to um, – I used to teach swimming lessons to triathletes before I started my real estate career like 10 years ago, 11 years ago. I made like 10 bucks an hour and I felt like I was such a loser, yet I could matter to them because I had this expertise that they didn't have and I could kind of fit in with the cool kids. And that's the real, and I was teaching kids too for 10 bucks an hour, yet I mattered because I could teach you something that you didn't know. And then when I started to channel that into something um, more purposeful, somebody in real estate, uh, a title rep said to me, you know, have you ever swam before? You have big, broad shoulders and a skinny waist. And I said, yeah, I swam for NBAC. And she was like, oh my gosh, so you know your shit. Will you be one of the swimmers for Swim Across America to help uh, cancer yeah. survivors? And I said, yeah. yes, hundred percent. And so one of the, one of the girls that I trained, um, she said to me, same thing like you, she's like, how am I going to, how am I going to make this? Like, look at all these people that look like they know what they're doing. And I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand here and we're going to watch all these people run into the water. Like they know exactly what they're doing. And I guarantee you the half this crowd is going to step down and stand up for a second. They're all going to be on their side doing like side stroke. They're, they're going to yeah. be on their back, like an old bug, just yeah. trying to get through. And, and this girl and I just watched and I said, look, it, it doesn't matter what my talent is. I'm here to help you. I don't care. Like, I, I don't care. And I learned that. So same thing, same thing, man. Winning in the middle of the pack is, fuck, that might be, I, I'm writing down all these potential names for the titles for this episode because you're dropping right. such cool little phrases. Uh, I, it's, well, thank you, man. I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I, really this is not how I thought the conversation this. would go, by the way. I, I thought the conversation was going to be so, so different. And yeah. I'm loving, absolutely loving what's opened up here. Oh, nice. Well, oh, thank you. I, I love talking to you. When I, um, when I, First, I uh, decided to do an Ironman, like, and I've done like 18 of them, right? So when, I, awesome. when I first started to do one, I, I watched these videos of Iron, Ironman uh, um, triathlons yeah. at the World Championships. And, and one of them had one of the founders of Ironman come on. Before I had ever done my first Ironman, I heard this guy talk. And he said, Ironman is this thing where you're going to want to quit a thousand times. Yeah throughout the day and he goes and if you do nobody's gonna care but you're always gonna know and i went 
Oh, that is a nugget. You mean nobody cares? I love that. I love that. Because I thought everybody cares. And guess what? I realized I'm just not that freaking important. Nobody cares. <laughs> no one cares, but you yeah. will know. But you'll always know. How how great is that? And so so um, stop worrying about what other people think and and care more about what you think. And and that was yeah. my that that was my kind of first real lesson to learn on how to move forward in life and not, not and not yeah. just kind of be dragged along. Does that make sense? Hundred percent. You know, there's an interesting piece as the leader of this men on purpose movement and the podcast and our community where I know people are watching me yet. It's mm -hmm. a very different, it's a very different thing. Like people watching you and worrying about what people think versus modeling good behavior or positive or, or successful or on purpose behavior, because I make decisions. Sometimes my old way of thinking will come in and go, nobody's really looking, dude. I mean, you can bypass that. And I go, no, somebody, somebody's watching. Someone is counting on me to make a decision in this moment. And I need to be able to honestly say to them, no, when, when no one's looking, that's when it's most important that you honor your integrity and your commitment to whatever you made a commitment to. True. True. Yeah. What yeah. I'm talking about is when you're measuring what your self worth totally. is and when you're measuring how, what kind of effect you're having on the world and what the world's having on you, what's yeah. the most important is that is the person in the mirror. And yes. it's not, it's not easy for guys, for guys yeah. like me, it's not easy to do that because I always thought like, wow, if, I, if, if I make a chick smile, that means I was doing something right. Oh, if I got an employee, if I got an employee that says you're a good boss, that means, means I'm a good boss, right? Like, uh, well, it's your feedback loop. You're getting feedback right. all the time, seeking it, feeding it. Like it, that's it. That that's the other side of what I was talking about. I, I have, mm -hmm. when I, when I came into alignment with my purpose and my understanding of what I'm supposed to do for the world, that's when modeling came into play where I don't worry about what people think and I don't worry about what I look like. I think about the type of example that I'm being for people that are looking up to me and that's important to me. And now I don't go, Oh my God, are they going to be pissed at me if I make this decision? It's like, no, that's not my commitment. My commitment is to do the right thing. My commitment is to honor my commitments. My commitment is mm -hmm. to have integrity and that's okay. And, and all those people could, could look at me when I do this thing that's honoring my commitment and go, you're an idiot that's okay. You're entitled to your opinion. You, right. you can't, you're not going to knock me around by calling me an idiot or, or right. saying, man, I thought you were better than whatever. It's a very different mindset because like I said, I can look in the mirror and say, and I do every morning and, and really any chance I get in a reflective surface, I love you, man. And you fucking matter to me. And yeah. you also matter to the world yet. You matter to me first. Me matters to me first. And so I'm telling you, out of, out of the probably 8,000 hours I've done of personal development, of coaching, coaches coaching, and, and on my own work and, and coaching other people, that is probably one of the most powerful things that I've ever done for myself is to actually register mm -hmm. inside that I matter to me and that yeah. I don't have to seek external validation. And it sounds kind of preachy and prescriptive, sure, but it's sure. it's not until you know it. Like I, I went on this podcast and this this guy talked about the idea of Sonder. And Sonder is a is you know meaning of Sonder says when 
uh, it's a state of mind where you understand that you're just pastor buyers in everybody's life and they're just a pastor buyer in yours. And he, he talks about, about Sonder. And, and, and I love that. I love that idea because mm-hmm. I've got some pastor buyers in my life that were in there for two minutes. Yeah. And that two minute uh, interaction has stayed with me forever. Oh, and I have other people in my life that yeah, I've known for 30 years and all of a sudden I don't talk to them ever again and I forget who they were, right? Isn't that so, weird? Isn't that yeah, just weird. not weird? Like the concept of it is just strange. You're like, it's, it's strange. I, I've so, had, I've had clients that I'm like so close with and all of a sudden I'm like, hey, it's, it's, it's time. The why has come. It's time to just right. go our separate ways. And but we are just passer buyers in their life and they're just passer buyers in yeah. ours. And that makes yeah. it okay. It makes it okay. Yeah. And so I, it's just, anyway, I, I think, I think we, we are definitely uh, walking down a parallel road yeah. with these yeah. thoughts because it, it is a wonderful place to start. And then for, 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 for me, the, the, it was a three-step process, right? So one is like looking in the mirror and being honest saying, here, here's sure. who I am. The second one is to forgive, right? Just like forgive. Like just, just, you didn't know then you, you made stupid decisions or yeah, whatever, but just like start. So then about forgive the, then, you and others or just others or both. I think it was forgiving myself, like freeing okay. my mind, like, like, okay. Like, like just free your mind. Like, like just let go of the burden, let go of the cynicism, let go of the chip on your shoulder, whatever it is yeah. for who, whoever. And for me, maybe it was all of those things, but it was just like, kind of forgive, just free your mind. Like, yeah. Why can't today be day one? Right. I mean, it sounds silly, but it, it can be. It, it, it can I mean, be. It, it is. You just don't we'll think make it. so, right? It, you'll make, you can make, make it. it. It is, it is day one. It is, it is the next minute. And I tell, I preach this all the time. Your, your future you is one choice away. The future you that creates the results you want is literally one choice away at every moment. It's your choice. One minute, one second. It's your choice. Crazy to think about but that. You got to free your mind in order to be able to do that, right? This so true. I had to free my mind. Then the third thing, which is a was a long process, is um, what can I learn? And that's the thing that's driven me for the last twenty years of doing this stuff and writing books and learning all this crap and doing expressive writing workshops and all of that is the learning part. Uh, I'll tell you another quick story because it's, it's always athletics that that hit me. So. One of the very first events that I did was a 85 mile rollerblade race in Georgia. Jeez. First of all, I'm not coordinated enough to be on rollerblades, let alone be 85 miles on rollerblades. It's completely stupid, right? And and Georgia doesn't have a flat. Right, right. It's all hills. Yeah. So I'm about 30 miles in and I'm completely toasted. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no business being there. And I'm going up this hill that's kind of like I think the name of it was even Heartbreak Hill and I, there's no way I'm going to make it up the hill like it's completely stupid yeah. and 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 if I did I'd, I'd have to make it down which I'm going to die going down the hill that fast <laughs> and then I still got another 50 miles 50 right. miles 50 on rollerblades like, like stupid so I, I I turn my 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 skates to be perpendicular to the hill and I lean over on my knees and I'm just like what the are you doing here? Like, this is just the stupidest thing. You don't belong here. Just give it up. And I, and I'm looking down and it's hot, it's all humid and I'm sweating like a pig and the water is just dripping off me and it makes this line. 
Okay. And I go, okay, all right, here it is. Either that's the line. That was the most you could be. Now just go home and just pack it up. Like, you know, everything about yourself. It's all good. You came a long way. You know, everything about yourself. It's all good. Or figure out a way to go one more step, dude. Because if you do, you're going to learn. Now, maybe you're going to learn that you're going to die going down the hill, or maybe you're going to learn that you can't make it up the hill, or maybe you're going to learn what, but at least just take one more step. You're going to learn something new. And so I just kept doing that. I kept thinking everything that I do is not more of an effort. It's not more of an accomplishment. It's not a test. It's not a whatever. It's just a learning exercise. And that was the draw for me. And so I did make it to the finish line. Nine hours later, I made it to the finish line. And I learned about a thousand things along the way. And I don't know what I accomplished, what I didn't accomplish. All that stuff doesn't matter. All I know is that I learned. And every time I do an event, I kind of look at it as a learning experience or what anything that I do, because I feel like uh, if, if, if you know who you are, you forgive yourself for not being what you ultimately could be. And now you're learning how to achieve whatever that's going to be like, that's it, man. That's it. That's the end of story. That's, that's, that's the path. I mean, how could, how could those things not be learning lessons? Uh, you, you and I have, you and I have so much in common in our, in our paths of, of dialing ourselves in. Uh, when I was in, when I first started in real estate, uh, we didn't have any money. We were really, really in a, in a hard place. And, and I said to myself, like, man, I'm ter- I'm so terrified. Like I was throwing up in my car. I was crying every morning because I was worried about what people would think if I failed. That's it. Like, what would I look like if I fail? What would my wife's dad think of me? Would he didn't give a shit? Like, he just wanted me to be happy. That's all. And what my, what would my dad think? I can't be an entrepreneur. And I come from all seven generations of entrepreneurs. What the hell? So I, I literally said, look, dude, if you could just learn one additional thing and just work one additional minute every single day, like exponentially by the end of the month, by the end of the year, you'll be way better. So that's, that's along the same lines. And I, and I, I love mm-hmm. that mentality because it's, I think this world teaches us to, to like think giant and, and big, huge goals and all this big, big, big stuff, this, you know, jumbo, whatever. And it's really just those tiny little pieces that add up to the big, right? Like that one step, one blade in front of the other for another 50 miles adds up to finishing the race. I'm, I don't know how the hell you did that, but like, let me ask I don't you something. Either. <laughs> why, why in your mind, why, why was, Hey man, 30 miles is pretty damn great. 30 mm-hmm. miles on rollerblades. I'm, I am, I'm okay with this. And I'm going to now set this as my benchmark. And next time I'm going to go 35 miles or 50 miles or whatever. How come that wasn't a thought process? Was that, would that be giving up or? Uh, sometimes you got to know when to give up, but I, I feel like if I set a goal, I don't want to fail at it. And, um, if, if I'm purposely setting positive, um, I don't know if it's altruistic, but like, like, like the goal, it kind of goals you want to set. Like if I set a goal of, I want to get fat again and become a smoker, I'm not sure that's the right goal. Okay. Right. Doesn't serve. So, okay. So if I'm setting good goals and I'm setting achievable goals, which usually they're achievable one way or another. Right. Yeah. If I told you right now, you know, if I said, look, dude, I, I sorry, we got to cut our thing short. Um, I, I need you to, uh, walk to Vegas you'd be like, uh, hell no. 
and I go, okay, well, if you don't walk here in the next seven days, then um, yeah, you're never going to see your daughter again. You'd walk here, right? You, you would right do now. Yeah. So you set your goal. And I'm not saying that every goal needs to be that, but when, when, when you set a high enough goal, I just didn't want to fail. So, so like quitting smoking, I didn't want to fail at, at quitting smoking. Uh, I didn't want to sign up for a race and, and tell myself you're able to do this, figure it out and then quit because I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to let myself down. And obviously totally I've had to, I've had to quit a race or two yeah. because of injury or potentially being a, a, a not healthy for me or whatever. Cause I've done some pretty insane stuff. Um, but knowing when to quit is okay, but I, that's, that's why, because I just, I don't want to, I don't want to quit. And, and yeah. if I need to, I'll set lower goals. But if I set a goal, I, I got to figure out a way to achieve it because, you know, you got to figure out a way yeah. to get through life, right? It's, it's, it's not going to be easy all, all the time. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, and really what you're saying is you're, you're setting goals based on what's at stake. So if you said, Hey, you got to walk to Vegas in seven days and be like, yeah, whatever, man, I'll, I'll see you there tonight. Based on what's at stake, I'll, I would hop on a plane. Yet if you said you'll never see your kids again unless you walk here in seven days, like that's something big at stake, which is making me move toward action regardless of consequences to me. So yeah. I would just, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd pack some pack some water and figure some things out and a solar charger and I'd it. get some new shoes and, and I'd walk. And, you, and you would accomplish wouldn't it. Wouldn't be a bad, wouldn't be a bad walk actually through the desert. Right. And, and, and by the way, after you did it, you wouldn't go, I'm a stud. You wouldn't go, no. oh my God, I'm something special. You wouldn't do that. So I'm not doing these things to be, um, uh, uh, to have some kind of shining light on me. I'm doing it because I set a goal and I want to feel good about myself for giving my best. But most of the time I want to accomplish it, but I want to feel good about myself because I never really cared what I felt about myself. Yeah. I only cared what other people, what I thought other people cared. And, and so, and they don't. And so, so it is a little bit self-centered. It's a little, little bit self-focused, but it certainly isn't like, I, I don't walk around with uh, 18 Ironman medals around my neck and I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't go, Oh, you know, I did this 5,000 mile bike ride. Aren't I special? No, I, I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it because I want to feel good about myself because it's yeah, a hard thing to do, man. It's a hard thing to do. Well, let's talk about, about that. Oh, yeah. Well, I want to, I want to get into that 5,000 mile bike ride that you did across this country. Well, across mm -hmm. and up across the country and then up the East coast. Yeah. And, and why you did that. And, and like, I, I mean, I have so many questions. I, I don't even know where to start with that. I, I can understand like a 500 mile bike journey. It's like, oh man, yeah. this guy's going to bike from here to, you know, Sequoia national park or, or Redwoods or, so, or something like that. It's like 700 yeah. miles. The uh, 5,000 miles. Like, man, that's, that is a long time to be thinking about such a crazy endeavor, you know? And you're it's like, a long, it's a long way. How, how long did that take you? Was it straight? I did. I did it in 41 days. So 4,700 miles in 40, wow. 40, no, 40. Yeah. 45 days, but I biked 41 of the 45 days. Okay. So I did it in very, very short order. If you, if you know anything about biking, that's 120 miles a day, a that's lot a of lot. wind, a lot of hills, a lot of it carrying a lot of my gear on a heavy bike, a lot of flats because I was on the interstates. Um, uh, and I did 41 out of 45 days. So if anybody has ever heard of the Tour de France, I basically did back-to-back -back Tour de France's without a Peloton, you know, without a group of bikers to help right. pull me along. Um 
with a little bit more climbing. So oh. it was brutal. It was physically brutal. But I'll tell you that you something like that doing it. <laughs> I mean, if you're a normal human being, you train by just doing it because how, do, how I don't know. How do you how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? I mean, how do you how do you train for a five thousand mile bike ride? Just go do a five thousand mile bike ride. Yeah, like how do you know what? How do you know about conditions and where do you where are you going to sleep and what are you going to eat? It was a lot of planning. It yeah, was it was a lot, a lot of okay, planning. Okay. So I did it as a charity event, right? So I'll right. give you the real skinny on it, Ian. So when my sister finally passed away from cancer, um, which was about a four year journey for her. Um, I was really touched by a recurring theme that kept coming up and it drew me to try to want to um, uh, give it some attention and, tr and try to see if I could sure. make an impact on this one topic. And this one topic was that I felt people when it came to trauma were really good about dealing with the tasks of the trauma. Uh, in cancer's case, how do I get my kids seen while I'm getting chemo? How do I navigate time off of work? How do I... Uh, go find a good doctor. How do I reduce the stress in my life? These kind of things they were good about, but it didn't matter, Ian, if it was a doctor or a patient or a loved one, a survivor, a parent, a child or whatever, the emotional side of it, they weren't real equipped to talk about. Sure. How do you feel about dying? How do you, sure. how do you, how are, how do you feel about the fact that you're not doing well and everybody in your life is doing well. How does that affect you on an emotional mm. level? These kind of things they weren't real open to talking about. And I wanted to figure out why. And so I interviewed like tons of different people over a couple of year period to get really deep into their lives. All different kinds of people, different ages, different type of cancer. But really the most important thing of it was what were the traumas that they had to overcome from young adulthood and adolescence that either allowed them to process this emotional thing or prevented them from doing it? And so uh, what I wanted the reader to be able to do was to say, okay, I, now I know a little bit about Ian and maybe the difficulties of his childhood and young adulthood. And I see what he's going through and the difficulties that he's going through. What can I learn from that? So that when I have a situation in my life that's kind of like that, I might know how to better talk to that person and yeah. form a more deeper, authentic connection um, with a loved one, a friend, a whomever. And that's what I was trying to shed some light on. So when I interviewed these people and for a couple of years, I thought, well, if we're all connected by emotion, we're connected by story. Why don't I just ride my bike to all of them and connect them? Because I hadn't met most of them in person. So I just said, let me go meet them all in person. And uh, it gave me a chance to, to, to meet a shit ton of people along the way. And I was just seeing hospitals and going to cancer centers and doing media and stuff like that. But, but it really, it gave me a chance to contemplate the stories more, gave me a chance to meet them for the first time and really connect the stories. And it also, thankfully, let me meet people all day, every day, all across the country who just, who said something like this, oh, you know, my, my friend at work, their child just got diagnosed with something. I don't even know what the hell to say to him. What the hell do I say to him? Oh, you know, my grandfather just died and I don't know what the heck to say to my grandma. I mean, I feel so bad. I don't even know how to talk to her about it. Right. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I have the answers to that, 
but I think I bring really compelling, evocative, inspiring stories that shed a little bit of light on how people have or haven't been able to do that so that maybe we can learn and, and apply some of those tools to our own relationships. So there's a short kind of synopsis of, of how it all took place. And, and the bike ride was my way of connecting all those stories. Yeah, man, that that's that's truly spectacular. I mean, I don't even know the right word for that. Not, not only the bike ride, it's not the bike ride that's actually spectacular. It's the fact that to bring awareness, I mean, how, how are there, like the participants of this, their lives have to be altered positively, right? I mean, they, they, they had to be like, a, a you, lot had, of you had some of the deepest conversations they've ever had in their lives. Oh, I know I did because yeah. multiple times, uh, every single one of them multiple times told me, well, yeah, okay, we can talk about that, but I've never really talked to anybody about that. And look, I'll just give you a, 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 a simple explanation, example of, of how I think the book really helps. Okay. So we all know the guy that we think is going through something. We don't know really what, but we think they're going through something because we know something's not right. And we go, Hey Ian, like, dude, I'm worried about you. Is everything, everything, is everything all right? Like, uh, like, is there something that's going on? And you're like, dude, I'm fine. Like, seriously. I mean, everybody's got stresses. I'm all good. Don't worry about me. Just go about your life. We all know that guy. Sure. Right now. What I know is that you are going through something, but I don't think that we have enough of a connection that, uh, you're willing to risk telling me that something's wrong because when you were a kid, Ian, you went through some really hard things. Anytime you leaned on somebody, they either one made fun of you or they abandoned you or they made you feel like a loser, right? So now you've learned how to just deal with your own crap on your own, right? So no way are you going to let anybody in. No way are you going to appear weak. No way are you going to burden me with your problems because that's not the way you're wired. Sure. But if you and I are brothers and I want to connect with you on a different level, I got to figure out a way to have a hard conversation with you to go, Ian, so when you say you're okay, is it because I'm an asshole and you don't want to tell me like what's going on? Is it because you're afraid that if you tell me I'm going to get freaked out and go run for the hills? Like, are you think that I don't care? Or do you not want to rely on me? Why is it that you're not telling me? Because I'm telling you, I see it all over you and I care. So let's let's talk about it. Or when you can't talk about it, please let, let me know because I'm I'm here and I want to talk to you about it. Yeah. Right? Does that does that resonate somewhat? 100%. With you? And 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 the other part of of people, and I find this a lot in our in our uh, masterminds, is they just don't have the skills to articulate and get that vulnerable. One, because they have the trauma that hurt them and it shelled them up so much. And two, they just never learned the skills to share that much. Even if they're willing to, they don't know how to get that deep. It's so deep down that they have to bust through all this layer of rock and all the shit that has been put on top of them throughout their whole life. And plus, as men, we're not really taught to share vulnerably and openly and emotionally. Right. And, and so someone who's going through some really deep shit, I mean... The other thing is like one of the biggest fears that I had with my wife up until 2018 was I, how, I don't want to cry in front of her. I don't want her to think I'm a pussy. I don't want her to think that I'm weak right. that I can't take care of her. What like, it'll change our relationship. That was my literal thought about it. How dumb is that thinking back now? But 
I thought about that and I thought if I show her my emotional side, if I get vulnerable with her, it'll change the dynamic of our relationship. And I think people are thinking that same thing too. Like, yeah, this guy wants to, wants to hear from me. Maybe the other thing is maybe he's going to try and take advantage of me if I get that vulnerable and open. So there's a lot of blocks that people have from getting that. So much going on. And what we don't, what, what I realized, uh, I knew it, but what I really knew it when I delved into this uh, project is that you never know what people are dealing with and you never know what they have dealt with. You just don't, you just don't know. And it's not from a judging. It's not from a, let me compare my situation to yours. Excuse me. And, but you just don't know what people have gone through and what they're going through. And you can't live your whole life walking around wondering about that question. But when it comes to the few people or the many people that you want to build meaningful, deep relationships with, it's important to really understand that because um, you and I might be talking and everything is great and whatever, but you might not know. And I'm going to disclose something that's the truth. You might not know that I'm still somewhat traumatized. By when I was 18 and I left home, my car broke down in Vegas and through a series of circumstances, a couple of days later, I got robbed at gunpoint of everything that I owned. Hmm. I ended up living out of my car with less than a dollar in my pocket, a carton of cigarettes in the back and nobody to call. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, man, that's, it's still living with me 40 years later, right? Nearly 40 years later. And it's like, man, I don't, I don't want any sympathy for it. I don't, I, I don't need you to say, oh, I'm sorry that happened to you, whatever. But, but, but it's something that lives inside of me. And when, sure. when people, when people go, man, I had it rough, dude. I'm just thinking to myself, yeah, we all had it rough. You might yeah. not know how rough I had it. I definitely have no idea how rough you had it, but don't, don't tell me you had it rough. Like it's some kind of competition. Right. Right. So we, we just don't know what people have gone through. And if we can, the people that are important to us. If we can take a minute to learn what's behind that thought process of we just don't know what they've gone through or what they're going through, that if we want to connect with them in a more authentic, real, connective way to help them or us get through a difficult minute or a difficult span of time, then we have to develop some of those tools you just mentioned we don't have for Mm -hmm. for connecting with each other. And I think by bringing the stories the way I brought them, they're all very inspirational, all very, very personal. By bringing those stories to the reader, I think I hopefully are giving people a few tools. Yeah. You know, um, one of the breakthroughs I had with my mom, um, and I like to use plant medicine to go a little farther, a little deeper, a little faster. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that I realized about my birth was that I had never, I was a preemie six weeks early and I was in the NICU in an incubator for like five or six weeks after that. And I'd always kind of blame my mom for some shit like about unconditional love and conditional love. And in this plant medicine journey that I did by myself and my family was back East at, at my parents' house. Um, I saw my mom like, so fucking scared. And I thought about it and I was like, Oh my God, I've never ever opened up a conversation to ask my own mother what the fuck she was going through. How selfish of me to just blame her for some bullshit. And I never even looked at the other side. And I thought, 
and I called my wife about it. My wife was like, yeah, I mean, how would you feel if one of our kids like was early and the doctor was like, well, I mean, let's see what happens tonight. 30% chance. And you're like, what the fuck yep. are you kidding me? You know, like yeah. I was scared with them sucking boogers out of her nose, you know, like right. crazy right. shit. So when I finally called my mom and I said, Hey, I want to talk to you about something like serious. Are you okay with that? And she said, sure. And I said, I just want to apologize to you. And by the way, anybody listening, I, I didn't start with anything, but I, what I'm sorry for, I didn't go, Hey mom, um, what was it like for you when I was born? I just wanted to apologize because I never sought to understand, to understand. And I said, I just want to apologize for something. I never ever asked you what you went through the day I was born. And I'm really sorry about that. Would you tell me if it's not too hard? And she was like, sure. It was the worst day of my fucking life. And the best day of my life it was the scariest time I've wow. ever had in my entire life. And I am traumatized by that moment. And then, you know, all I prayed for was you to make a sound. And I, my, my prayers were answered. Cause you haven't shut up since like, you know, just joking, but she, she was like, it was the hardest time in my life because I didn't know if when I woke up in the morning, they were going to come to me and say, Hey, your, your son died tonight. Like, That's holy hardcore. fuck, man, that, that chokes me up. And I'm the yeah. son I'm talking about in that. And I'm alive, yeah. you know, like it's right. really tough. And so I wanted to piggyback on what you're saying because we've been all over in this conversation and, and it's all been gold after gold after gold. I don't know how I'm going to describe this ah. conversation. I don't know how I'm going to put a <laughs> title to it. But like that, that, that really changed something in the relationship with my mom. With, and I even talked to my dad about it too. Cause I, I said the same thing to him. I'm really sorry that I never asked you. I just thought you were such a, such a trooper and such a tough guy, you know? And he said, no, it was really hard for me because my mom died so early in my life that I never, I, I, I needed to get close to you. And like, I was so scared. Like, oh my God, what if this guy, what if this, my son gets taken? Like, holy shit. And I'm, I'm going to be devastated. So seek to understand what someone else is dealing with in their lives. And I, I used to teach my salespeople that all the time. Don't think that just because you called them and they hung up on you, that it's on you. They could have, their dog could have just got run over by a car. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know. Yeah. Seek to understand. Yeah. Like I can yeah. see you're upset and I'm so sorry. Is it my call or is there something else going on that I might be able to help you with? Oh man, my, this person just got, you know, terminal illness and we've got to sell their house. Okay. Well, I'd be, I'd be honored to help you if that's something that you want. Other than that, like, I'm going to let you go. Yeah. Like seek to understand that's human connection at the, at the right. finest, deepest level. Right. But those I are hard conversations to have sure. and, sure. and to, to find a safe space where your mom knows that your motive is pure, where you yes. feel that your motive is pure and where you can find a, a safe space for you guys to connect on a level that you haven't before to understand a little bit of what's behind that. You never know what people are going through or what they've gone through. That's really hard to do. And, uh, and, and even with people like, a mom that you're very close to. It's really hard conversations to have. And everybody has that same problem, especially when it comes to trauma yeah, uh, yeah. to some degree. And, and that's what, that's what drew me to the project. That's what made me find very compelling, very evocative stories that were all over the place. And we deal with a drug addiction and abuse and suicide of a parent and loss and losing love, finding love. We deal with all the kind of things that we all deal with um, and, and just give a real raw insight into the emotions behind it so that maybe we can be inspired to have a hard conversation with people in our lives. Yeah. Here's how I'm going to wrap this. I can tell you right now, that I was never the person that could have that conversation with my mom 
until I moved the shit out of the way and actually was able to have that conversation with my mom, right? Mm -hmm. Ego and, and all the other bullshit. So what we're talking, what we talked about in the beginning with the mirror work is exactly how you were able to dive this deep and have these like literal, like what you say, inspiring, deep human connection through life-changing series, like mm-hmm. or life-changing stories. It's, it's because of who you became. And that's literally my mission on this planet through the mental and purpose world is to help men evolve into the greatest, most, you know, purposeful version of them for themselves, their spouses, their kids, their careers, and their community. That's it. Mm-hmm. The only way that you actually were able to do all those things was by evolving you and getting out of your own way. And that mirror work was, was, was the catalyst to it all. And so I'm going to tell you again, the book mirror work, fantastic. Right. Your book cycle of lives, just let's share a little bit about it where people can get it. Cause I mean, I think you're just doing, you're doing amazing stuff. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm so thanks. happy to have you on here. Thank you. And I appreciate yeah. that. I, I knew we'd have a great conversation and I'm glad we got a chance to do it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so cycle of lives is a book that, um, it's available wherever books are sold. Um, I, I made a commitment to the 15 participants that made the book that I would uh, give hundred percent of the net proceeds to the charities that they chose. Uh, those are listed in the book. They're also on my website. So wherever you buy the book, it's an audible version, which if you listen to audibles, it's, it's sick, uh, 15 different, uh, professional actors, um, doing each one of the 15 stories. It makes it really interesting. Um, it's not a book about cancer. It's a book about, uh, trauma and what people have gone through, what they're going through. And the stories are very inspiring. They're very uplifting. They're very forward thinking. Some of them are a little bit tragic. Um, but, um, uh, you know, what I've, what I've been told, multiple, multiple times is one, the book is going to move, you know, it's very moving. But the other, the other thing I've been told is, God, I'm so shocked about like how, how uplifted I feel. Right. Because, (laughs) you know, because to, to see what people overcome or to see their, their views, um, uh, being positive and forward thinking, even after all the shit they've gone through, um, it, it, you know, really helps give, give some much needed perspective to the world. So yeah, the book is cycle of lives anywhere books are sold proceeds go to, uh, to charity. They're listed in the book and listed on the, on the website. And yeah, you get the book, get a tool or two and, um, you know, make a deeper connection. This has been, uh, this has been a really awesome conversation. Like I said, I, I, when I first got your one sheet, over, I was, I wrote back and I said, Hey, I'm a little afraid this is going to be a very depressing conversation and too down. And I, like the last thing people need is me crying more on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> shit. So, so I, I, I'm, I really appreciate where this went, man. And I, I, what's interesting is I know a lot of people that have podcasts and they'll all say like, man, I, I spend two hours prepping for every hour podcast. And I'm telling you right now, I could not have prepped at all for what came out. Mm-hmm. I, I still maintain that the universe will deliver the guests that are supposed to be here, that the audience wants to hear. And that if you just go with the flow and how, you know, I have a little bit of structure. I know what I'm doing at this point. Yeah. Like what will come out of not being quote unquote, super prepared is mm-hmm. fucking gold. Like today I could have yeah. never prepared 
for, for that based on your one sheet. I never could have prepared for that. And so I, I'm, I, I stand by the fact for all anybody who has a podcast out there, follow my advice. Don't worry about downloads. Worry about the message, message and the mission and the universe will deliver the rest. I just stay out of the way. I promise. I promise that is true. We have, we have hundred and some plus episodes. I've never done more than 10 minutes prep for any of them. And they're all yeah, awesome. That's, that's great. And they're great. I mean, you're absolutely yeah, thank great. You. So, yeah. so I would say, yeah, for, for sure. And I, I do appreciate the opportunity. I love having true, like authentic yeah. conversations. It's really pretty cool. And to know that, um, you know, that we're like-minded in that, in, in that way, like we don't have competing, you know, messages, right. Yeah. We're just, we were just trying to be our best selves and maybe inspire for a minute or for an hour, somebody else to be, uh, to be, you know, working hard to be their best selves. How cool is that? It's dude, it's, it's the ultimate. It's, it's, it's ultimately fulfilling. It's aligned. It feels great. Mm-hmm. I can look in the mirror every day and go, man, you actually made some impact on this world today. Every day, every day, every day. And it's a, it's a feeling that you can never buy and you actually have to do the work to find it. It's like a treasure, you know, you just have to do the work to find it, which you got to remove the trauma. You have to move the trauma out of the way and the programs around the trauma, which by the way, yeah. you should come back on here. We should just dig into trauma stuff. Cause Let's I love talking that's, about that's, that. And that's my, my biggest joy right now in life, uh, you know, outside of the personal life is, is I do expressive writing workshops and, and that's uh, to help yeah. people have new conversations with themselves so that they can um, get some therapeutic self-talk about the traumas in their life, the issues in their life, the emotions that are going on. And, and, and I love, I did one this morning and it's just, it's the greatest thing in the world. The greatest thing in the world. David Richmond. Thanks for being here, man. Really appreciate you. Really appreciate you. All right. Well, let's stay connected Ian and I'll come on when you think it makes sense. When the universe says, dude, get that Richmond dude on again. And then, (laughs) um, (laughs) yeah, let's stay, let's, let's stay connected. Absolutely. And, uh, and audience, I, I know for a fact that you enjoyed this one and that's not me being egotistical. That's just me saying you were meant to hear this today. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you and we'll catch you on the next one. Totally. Thank you.